0: Welcome to BDO's Healthcare Rx podcast, hosted by the BDO Center for Healthcare Excellence and Innovation. Learn more about the trends disrupting healthcare and how companies can adapt and evolve in an ever
1: changing business landscape. Good morning, everybody. Um, I'm Stephen Schill, a fellow. Uh, a colleague of Patrick's and um, a fellow leader at the BDO Center for Healthcare Excellence and Innovation. Um, I'll obviously echo Patrick's um, uh, words in welcoming and thanking you all for joining us today. And also want to thank uh, Karen for kicking off um, the morning on such a high note. Um, Our first panel today uh, is finding the right dose of portfolio risk. We have uh, Bert Natini. Uh, He's Managing Director with uh, New Mountain Capital based in New York. She's a leading alternative investment manager. Uh, Bert has a wealth of experience in healthcare and the technology industries through his impressive career as an attorney and a senior executive. Bert has navigated turnarounds and sales to strategic buyers, and he also serves on numerous boards. Um, His current director roles include Western Dental, medical specialty distributors, Siox Health and Island Medical. And last but not least, to my extreme left, uh, Ira Coleman, who is the chairman and partner of McDermott Will Emery, uh, one of the largest global law firms. Uh, Ira focuses um, on major M&A and controversy matters, particularly within the health and private equity areas. Ira is a frequent author, and speaker on private equity, um, health, law, and leadership topics. So if you'll all just put your hands together and welcome our panelists. Okay, so now we're gonna kick off with the fun and games. (laughs) Um, Dr. DeSalvo just spoke about the social determinants of health um, that are transforming the uh, the industry and and frankly, the delivery of care. To what extent are PE uh, managers looking uh, for portfolio companies that are really addressing the big picture or the big picture concerns like aging population, new therapies for diseases, and um, um, let's say bending the curve. Bert, what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I think that, you know, we're a we're a generalist firm. what sort of, sort of a up, Jessica. Who are we at New Island Capital? We have a lot of capital under management, actively management managing a little over ten billion, and but you know we're a growth oriented firm, and, and from our investors we try to find places in the market where we can both drive you know returns and and do it by driving growth as opposed to classic buyout of leverage and what have you. So that brings you around pretty rapidly to, to health as a sector. We're probably about thirty percent today of our fund invested in healthcare. <coughs> And we have both, you know, providers, for example, dental services, outsourced emergency room services. Our, our biggest focus from around the growth point, and I think it goes to what Dr. DiSalvo said, is a thesis around really focusing on meeting the patient where the patient resides, and then, and then really going in and enabling, you know, the workflows so that change can happen. What our, our fundamental perspective is that in order for this change to occur, interoperability, Alternative site um, delivery of service, uh, better quality, lower cost. It, it's not a rip and replace. It will not actually be sort of a, a, a Silicon Valley genius who figures this out. It's actually going into these very, very deeply rooted workflows, in in automating them, transforming them, bringing them together, and then sort of you know repositioning to point the way the models come together. So that's that's how we think about it. Um, so I think we do we do as we you know underwrite our investment. And we only get rewarded if we actually create a lot of value for our investors by creating a lot of value in the healthcare system as a a purely private player. And um, the way we see doing that is exactly by addressing these macro trends. You know, with a long-term view, we're not trying to do it today, tomorrow, the next day. We have a long hold period. We're not afraid to invest a lot of capital. We don't take on a lot of debt. So we really drive you know, serious growth over, over the long haul. But, but I think this is absolutely the fundamental
2: thesis we invest behind.
1: Thanks, Bert. Ira, what are you seeing your clients doing?
2: Well, I, I, I sit in a, in a unique position on this panel because I don't have to uh, put my money on the line and I get to say, hey, that's a great idea, we'll paper it up. And then, you know, if it doesn't work out, we go, oh, sorry, we'll take it apart now and we'll do it all over again. <laughs> <laughs> so, so find uh, somebody to uh, shoot? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, a great position to be in, right? So, uh, what we're seeing uh, uh, last year, we closed out the year as the, uh, the most active uh, healthcare law firm in the world uh, with 57 large transactions. So we, we, we do in the in the healthcare private equity space alone. So so we, so we, we see it, and it's and it's uh, it's very interesting to see the changes in it. And I want to pick up on Bert's comment. We're, we're we're not seeing these transformational. Hey, let's go in and change everything. Uh, you know, rip it apart and build it up. It's it's the incre- it's the incremental, and it's the best ideas sometimes don't win. It's the it's the ideas that can actually, that can be actualized win. So yesterday, we had a panel uh, uh, on digitalized health, and we had uh, some folks from Kaiser Permanente uh, Ventures there. And what did they say? She was talking about um, they before they make an investment, they'll have the nurses on the floor kind of walk through it and say, you know, is this something you guys will use? Why? Because they don't have any time. Mm-hmm. There's no extra time to figure something out or even if it's the newest, coolest toy or whatever it is, and everybody agrees the end results are great, if you can't drive it through the system, it's not going to happen. So what we see is a lot of uh, the consumerization. Um, everybody's carrying around little supercomputers in their pocket, even at at some of the lower ends of the socioeconomic spectrum, and that's changing a lot of things. And then and then now with the belief that others outside the healthcare space can add a heck of a lot of value. So, you know, do I think uh, uh, Amazon can, can solve uh, uh, some of the uh, issues that, uh, that, that uh, Karen was pointing out better than, than the way uh, a, a healthcare system is traditionally doing it, like Atul Gawande's, uh medical hotspotting, you know, go into the place in Camden, New Jersey and deliver the food and make sure the services are, are going, yeah. You know when you when you break it down and you say you know the way the us healthcare system works, you know it, it, it's 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 uh, you have these patients that have all kinds of issues and what are we doing? We're having our sickest people go visit seven different doctors' offices. They don't remember when the appointments are they don't it's really set up to be convenient for the doctor and not for the patient. So you know maybe sending somebody in with a backpack full of electronics and doing all the pre services for them and then doing a, a FaceTime visit is much more effective you know mm-hmm. who's better at doing that you don't have to be a healthcare company to do that you just have to be smart at logistics and getting people on the ground so we're seeing a lot of innovation around that problem is it's a long way to go so mm-hmm. what are we seeing our, our private equity clients do it's a lot on the physician strategies the roll-ups we're seeing a tremendous amount of uh Energy around what I would call physician practice management 2.0, um, and I know we work with the wonderful folks at BDO on doing uh, uh, the, the work in, in, in doing a lot of these rollups and, and we think they are going to be different than the ones in the uh, late '90s and early 2000s that, that, that didn't work out, and we think that they're driven on the, the right things now rather than you know the, the kind of poof deals and you'll make a lot of money when the Company goes public. This is much more of the, you know, the, the type of care that you need to give, the type of uh, 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 interfacing with uh, with the patient in a, in a digital way, and and the health systems in a digital way, and being able to accept risk and doing that 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 the uh, smaller physician groups just can't do without scale. Awesome.
1: Well, you must have been reading my mind, Ira, because that was um, that was going to be my next question. So, um, but uh, maybe we we'll put a slightly different a different spin on it. So, as you mentioned, there's obviously been a big push towards consumer centric strategies, uh, making the healthcare experience a much more convenient one for consumers. Um, and um, and and we mentioned earlier, and I think Nadia, if we could put up that slide um the um the new there, there we go we got it um we, with the we, so we mentioned earlier that that in our survey we found uh providers expect that the cvs aetna deal will obviously have a major impact on on, on 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 consumerism um so how is the more empowered consumer going to change the industry and i'm going to mix it up a little bit over here bert why don't why don't you kick off and you share yeah, your I your thoughts. Think it's,
0: I mean these are really big macro trends. I think everyone is uh, trying to understand the let's call it the Amazon impact. And from our point of view, as we're doing our underwriting, you know, it's it's a it's a major new entrant into the market. And this I think the, even the quality of the thinking out there among the bankers and the consultants and all, I think is still kind of coming to rest. It's good, but everyone's still scratching their heads. I think the way we think about it a little bit, and maybe this is more of an investment perspective than kind of, um, you know, the kind of the the care necessarily perspective is that we kind of see the world really breaking between, let's call it, consumers of healthcare products and services and and patients. So on the patient side, you have, you know, really high acuity um, needs, very seriously ill patients um, meeting some sort of specialty. And then you have Others that are consumers that can really have consumer-directed care can access products and services that are much less critical to their long-term health. So we, we look at that as a, as a fundamental divide. We think Amazon makes the point there. We also think that Amazon really reinforces the point of alternative site, post-acute, outside the hospital setting for care, because now you know that supply chain to get access to at least the products uh, is just going to be that much more robust. I think as they move into pharma, that will in- increase. So, and that's a whole different question of how it is or is not disruptive to the, the sort of the, the pharmacy side. I think on the integration of CVS Etna, this is a a very interesting first move among the, the let's call it uh, transformation of the payors. So you can also think about what Optum's doing um, more generally in building services, having providers, et cetera. So it's a, it's, these are very significant, very positive changes to the total landscape. Uh, you know, as we look at it, we continue to look at, say, both of these in the same way as are, are we investing behind those fundamental businesses that will drive lower cost, better care, more, more direct contact with the patient, where the patient resides, um, you know, over a long term to kind of be comfortable with our underwriting returns.
1: Ira, yeah. is, the, is the consumer going to benefit? Is the healthcare consumer going to benefit?
2: Oh, this? absolutely. And I think they're going to be, continue to be more empowered. And, and uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll uh, go further, I think, than, than even Bert did on what Amazon could do, because I don't think it's just the product side. I do think it's the service side as well. Um, you know, I was moved into an apartment in New York, and we had to get some TVs hung on a wall, right? Because that's what you do now—you don't put them in big armoires anymore, right? So, so we we I went on Amazon, got Amazon Home Services to come for 150 bucks. They put them up, buried the wires in there. Uh, <clears throat> would I would I do a uh, a house call with a Columbia Presbyterian Hospital doctor that was. Uh, 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 set up by Amazon? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, would, w- would everybody do that? I don't know. But, but, uh, um, I think the, the breakdown that the, the, the better way to deliver services they have, and it's not just product. So, you know, I wouldn't put it, it's got to come in a box. It's got to be delivered by a drone. I think people <laughs> who you talk to who work on the Amazon services side, enjoy it. They, they like the freedom, they like using technology to set their schedule the way they want. I think there's an incredible medical workforce that uh, doesn't wanna conform to the uh, standard business hours that can uh, uh, be of service. I think people will do that. I think um, um, it's, it's, uh, we have technology out there with the, uh, with the MD Lives of the world and the uh, Teladocs, and it's part of the health plans now. Um, um, the benefits are out there, but the problem is, uh, you know, uh, 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 90% of the companies that have them, only 10% is the population availing themselves Mm -hmm. to
1: that. Thank you. So the other thing, the other thing that's obviously evident in the healthcare industry is the level of uncertainty. There's still a significant amount of it. And whether it be uncertainty as to ultimately how the Affordable Care Act is going to shake out, um, or other issues, reimbursement, and now even income tax reform. Um, In your opinion, um, how is this level of uncertainty going to impact valuations and deal flow? How about you, Bert?
0: I think the things that break it down that are, you know, one, the greatest risk is where you're taking on reimbursement risk. That's where you have the prescient policymakers potentially putting in the most and things can change there. And so you have to be super careful. And I can say almost every time we have a business that's got reimbursement to it, we have great ex- interesting experiences. Uh, we kind of usually underwrite them in a way that we know what we're doing. So it works out fine, but it's always a little bit of a rocky ride. I think the other two areas, though, that we think a lot about are uh, at risk. Uh, More and more, this this, uh, model will be an an at-risk model. So getting behind all the businesses that enable providers to be at risk uh, is going to be part of the future. So we like to think of, that gets you to data, that brings you to systems, that brings you to lowering costs, it brings you to specialization. And then the other thing, longer term, is you know, what what the what the American version of single of single payer ultimately looks like. You know, we will be through this administration in a heartbeat, and who knows what comes next. It may be the same, it may be different. And even if it's the same, it may be different. You have a couple of states out here, one big one that I think we're actually sitting in right now that would say single payer is where we ought to go. But but that's the beginning of the discussion. What does single payer look like? Is it is it really a big ver- is it really a big version of Medicare Advantage? Is that the way it really works? How does that play out? So we're thinking we're thinking all the time about those trends as well and trying to just be fundamental to what enables any of those outcomes. And I think, I think then we can feel kind of good about uh, creating real value.
1: What role does cross-border transactions play in your or your clients' diversification strategies? This is a, multi, a multi-level question. Um, that's the first part of it. And um, second of all, um, are any of you investing there, or any of your clients investing there? And if not, what other regions are your um, are your clients looking for, or yourselves looking for investment opportunities in? So um, maybe Ira, maybe you could you could kick off there. Sure. So,
2: so uh, our Shanghai office brought 140 people to this conference um, just on uh, healthcare services investment, uh, both inbound and, and outbound. It's been pretty amazing. you know we thought we'd have 10. Um, we had to redo the room size twice. Uh, what are they talking about is kind of what I would call, you know uh, uh, kind of scratching the surface of what we're doing here, but really fundamentally building the healthcare services business in certain areas in China. And, and uh, it's amazing, the uh, managing partner, my China office, uh, one of the highest paid lawyers in Shanghai, I know this because we did data reports on it, right? And uh, when he had the flu, he was standing online to receive his healthcare services on the streets of Shanghai with 50 people in front of him. And that's the way care is delivered. He didn't think there was anything wrong with waiting two and a half hours, and you know it would never fly uh in 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 the u s so I think there's uh, tremendous elements of uh of uh a differentiated system uh in the making there, so we're seeing a lot of that and uh 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 in the uh u k and uh pan europe uh, we're doing a lot of deals uh uh, w- with uh, uh, German private equity funds who are very interested in U.S. healthcare, uh, we also uh, uh, did some work with uh, uh, UK uh, private equity and family offices, very interested in making U.S. healthcare investments. First time we've seen that in a while. Um, Bert's firm actually was a, a possible co-investor on a, a deal that we uh, bid on for. Uh, uh, a national uh, urgent care platform, which uh, the UK uh, likes that model, at least these investors did, likes that model. It's, it's very familiar to them and, and they think it's got a lot of legs So they want to move and bring it to the US and, and Canada and Mexico.
1: But
0: Yeah, from our point of view, we, we, we're a sort of domestically focused fund. So we kind of see it from probably three angles. Um, one, um, we are we are getting inbound inquiries around some of our companies from um, from basic, from China-based uh, investors, which has been a bit of a surprise. In, in enterprises, you know, real estate conglomerates wanting to think about acquiring healthcare assets, for example. So, I can't say there's a lot of traction there, but it was, it's been interesting inbound. Uh, secondly, where we really see the leverage still, and this is maybe just more of an old school model, but but new to healthcare, we're seeing the, the cost uh, arbitrage becoming uh, an important uh, part of the delivery model. That we're seeing as a driver of of, of, of cost curve, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, bending down. And then I'd say the the third where we see it is uh, we we have three different distribution businesses around healthcare. One. That's uh, sort of an alternative site, uh, pure play, to to really the home that's leveraging uh, uh, device-enabled therapies in the home, which is a large uh, U.S. player. We're now seeing opportunities to move that, um, at least north into Canada. We're looking at uh, potentially some European opportunities, a little different model there. But that's early days, and we also, another company we own that is the largest distributor of uh, contact lenses in the country, uh, also thinking about looking at some new new uh, ways to, those are, but those I'd consider those more, kind of almost more logistics businesses um, where you're leveraging technology and enablement and know-how. So we're, we're very early days, I would say on that. We we don't see the need to invest too much behind that in order to drive what we need to drive, but, but that's kind of a little bit maybe who we are as a firm.
2: Wealthy people all over the world are acting very similar. They act very similar. They buy the same brands. They stay in the same hotels. They, They, you know, we're, you know, we're pretty boring. Um, so, so when they're going to look at healthcare on a global basis, when you have a brand, like a Johns Hopkins or a, a, a Mayo Clinic or the like, they'll gravitate towards that if
1: you brand it the right way, and we're seeing that. Thank you, gentlemen, for this fantastic discussion. You give us, you've given us great insight um, to how you guys view the sector. Um, and how you're responding to and capitalizing on um, innovation. And, of course, the right dose of risk, uh, which was the original intention of the, uh, of the um, uh, 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 event. So thank you very much. You. Appreciate it. In the
0: next episode of BDO Healthcare Rx, we'll hear about how mergers and innovative technologies are changing and improving the healthcare industry. I think um, pharma has been painted with a a brush that's a little bit unfair pharma really is here uh, for the patient we really do care about the patient we view this as something positive we want to participate in this we want to bring value to the patient we really do and the days of you know having an indication and it covering broadly everyone whether it works or not uh, that is going away and that's a good thing from everyone's perspective Thank you for joining us for this episode of BDO's Healthcare Rx podcast. If you enjoyed the show, we hope you'll visit iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. You can also subscribe to the BDO Knows Healthcare blog by visiting bdo.com slash blogs slash healthcare.